Hello, Summoners, and welcome to Lollapalooza, your one-stop shop for all League of Legends-related news and patch notes. Today, I am Drew, a.k.a. Adamisk, joined by my friend Casey, a.k.a. Neetherdagger, and we're going to talk with guys? you guys about what's new in the world of League of Legends, starting with the 4.3 patch notes. Now, we had a lot of stuff come to light in this patch, Casey. I mean, we got the new champion, Velkaz. He did not get released quite at the same day as the patch, but he came out quite, uh, a little bit later. And, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about here. I mean, do you want to talk about the client changes first? Um, personally, I saw a good, th- uh, a couple good things happen with the client. Um, a lot of the just kind of minute things that didn't really affect the game, but the accepting, pending, decline, all those kind of bugs that you would end up going across, those were all fixed, which is really nice. Um, it was just kind of a cleanup of the client, which I thought was definitely needed. Yeah, I also like how you can select a draft captain who, like, <laughs> they don't have to make the game, but they'll be first for picks and bans and stuff. Yeah, that's helpful for fives teams all the time. Yeah, and especially if you play, like, tournaments and stuff, it's a lot easier to just move around your draft captain, make sure who picks first and all that. Yeah, definitely. And we see that Corky's getting some buffs. I mean, is it Worlds already? It seems like every Worlds, they just buff Corky up super huge, and people, like, learn to play him, and he suddenly becomes super prevalent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fafra's Bomb, the only problem with it is that, as being an AD player, is that the mana cost is really high. But I feel like this is now going to allow it to scale into late game, and you'll start to see more and more Corkies coming back into play. Yeah, we see a plus .5 bonus attack damage ratio on Phosphorus Bomb. That's that, enormous. Yeah, that's a that's a huge buff to Phosphorus Bomb because it didn't scale in AD <laughs> before that. Yeah, that's why we had uh, AD It's now a skill shot, <laughs> which it makes it a little bit difficult to hit, but it's still a plus +5 bonus attack damage ratio. Especially when you're building Corky, when you're building Trinity Force, and you're building um, IE and Bloodthirster, you can get that up pretty high. Yeah, I'd like to see the little guy come back in the spotlight, too. He's always fun. We need more, like, Texans, tough, tough <laughs> old guys. Graves, like, hasn't even played that much, either. Yeah. Got all these women and void creatures as our AD carries. We need a manly influence in bottom lane again. <laughs> I also see Krogus got hyper-nerfed. I mean, Jesus. Do you want to talk about this at all? You play mid, I know. Um, Krogus has always been one of those champions that I wish I could play really well. I can play him efficient enough to, you know, throw uh, explosive casts into the middle of a team fight, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> but just looking <laughs> off the ratios, like his explosive casts going down 0.1, and then the mana ca- cost kind of evening out. That's not too big of a nerf, but it's going to be the nerf on his body slam, which was a huge early damage kind of thing where you would run in with your Q, body slam him at the same time, and that would do a lot of damage. And now they're having the attack damage ratio on that scale up instead of being .66 at all ranks. Yeah, and Riot has said that the they're trying to make slight changes to their overpowered champions so that they don't go with the old uh, sort of recipe of making a champion just completely busted after they scale them down. So uh, we'll see if Gragas has more nerfs coming in the future. Another victim of that we see is Kassadin, whose Null Sphere's silence and damage ratios are going down, and also Force Pulse damage is going down by about yeah. 40 damage. It's a pretty significant nerf. Oh yeah, I think one of the hardest... Uh, problems with Cassidy was his Q was there's no counterplay to that when you go in 
nerf uh, hit someone with a nuke and it also silences them, there's no way you can retaliate against them. And I mean, don't forget the slow from to... force pulls. Yeah, uh, like I used to love playing Cassidy because in lane I would just rift walk in to <coughs> you and then just walk away. Do my full combo, take a good chunk of your health out, and then just walk away. No harm done to me. And that was really annoying for a lot of people. I particularly like in the patch notes that someone wrote, maybe someone somewhere will get to play him in a ranked game. <laughs> so they do realize what's going on. Thank God, you'd have to be blind not to. Yeah, and up next, we've got like... Not, hold on, one thing I want to say about Cassidy. Yeah, let's go back again, to Cassidy. They're not fixing the problem with him. He's such a mobile champion, being able to riffwalk everywhere he wants to go. That's the main problem with him. That's why you see Gragas being really powerful, Kazakhs being really powerful, Cassidy being really powerful, because they can just go anywhere in the map they want, and it doesn't, like, you can't ward for it, which is yeah. really unfortunate. I don't know if scaling down the damage here is the right solution to that, because you're eventually just going to get a champion that dashes in, does very little damage to you, and then leaves without you having any counterplay options, and I don't know if that's yeah. what they want Cassidy to be. No, I, like, I would love his, um, I think they just need to increase the cooldown of Riftwalk up higher and keep his damage where it was because what they tried to do was they tried to make Riftwalk, um, his main damage ability so that you wouldn't just Riftwalk out of battles, you would actually Riftwalk in. That's what they tried to do with, um, making the damage on champions scale up with Riftwalk. But, I think they need to do that, keep his damage where it was, but just increase the cooldown between riff walks, and then that would make him a much less, oh, I'm going to walk in there, or I'm going to riff walk in, riff walk out, you can't do anything to me. Kind of champion. Yeah, exactly. Like, Riot seems a lot of problems with these champions they make with the back-to-back -back leaps and flashes. And I mean, <laughs> Ka uh, Kha'Zix is the biggest example of that at all. He also received a big nerf this time with his Q uh, involved larger claws, the missing health ratio is not 8%, it's been reduced to 6%, and the maximum yeah. damage versus monsters has been cut in half from 200 to 100, <laughs> so he's going to have a more difficult time moving through the jungle. Granted, that is later on his evolved claws. Yeah. And then his leap bonus damage ratio was reduced from 0.8 to 0.2, so that scales much, much, much smaller with attack damage now. I remember my friend who plays a lot of Kha'Zix, he just leaps into teamfights and pretty much obliterates the people he lands on, because you can use the Q almost while you're in the air. That's not yeah. really an example of a move that can be counterplayed. No, I mean, like, the problem with Kha'Zix was that the percentage missing health on his Q was just really large. So you get the isolation bonus, and then you get, like, an execute on it, and it just it's so much damage that you can't avoid. Um, 8%, that's huge. Yeah. Do you know and, the scaling on Garen's ultimate offhand? I feel um, like it's something comparable. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's that's what it should be. Like, Jinx's ultimate, all execute moves, for the most part, are all ultimates. The only thing I could think of otherwise is Elise's Q for spider form, but that isn't a high enough missing health damage buff. With his Q being that, plus his leap being a .8 donus, and that's what resets on kill, that's that's the hard part to like stop a Kha'Zix. He's such a squishy champion, but if you if he kills one person in the team fight, he can ace your entire team. Yep, it's kinda scary, and that's why we don't see him in ranked a lot. But I hope <laughs> this patch will uh will change things and we'll see him a lot more in ranked. Yeah. I mean, on to some good news. Rise is getting a buff. Overload's range has been increased, and his general base health has been increased. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Rise? 
Yeah, I mean, Rise was one of those champions that he never got, he was never bad, he never got nerfed or any of that stuff. He just fell out of meta because he wasn't able to move around as quickly as a lot of the other mid-champions, and his range was really, really short. He's got a really good kit being able to basically machine gun down other opponents late game, but his early game needs help because he just, like versus Kha'Zix or any of the other mid lane champions, he's outranged and just can't farm up. And also our uh, our kind of strange child, Skarner, has some more <laughs> weird buffs. His mana cost ratio on his Q was reduced. And his slow on fracture was increased. I mean, we've seen so many strange changes to Skarner over the time, like increasing his attack speed and whatnot. I really, really, really want to know why they're focusing on him in every patch and giving him such strange, like, varied buffs to his kit. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> a, good, a slow is good, don't get me wrong. He needs the slow. Yeah, I just, I just don't get what they're trying to do with this champion anymore. Like, he was a good champion beforehand... It was just his alt that was just kind of really, really wonky. He's like a tanky Warwick? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's he just doesn't have a spot in League of Legends right now, I think. But hopefully soon he will. <laughs> and speaking of not having a spot in League of Legends, Teemo shouldn't have a spot in League of Legends, but hopefully that will become a reality soon because Noxious Trap's ability power ratio has been reduced from 0.8 to 0.5. And a lot yeah. of Teemo players are heralding this as the end of an era. We won't see AP Teemos anymore. Because Riot was kind of mad, because Teemos who stacked pure AP could pretty much just leave mushrooms everywhere and then not play the game. Yeah. Which is kind of what the character of Teemo has always been about. I mean, it's about pushing a lane, trying to draw people to you, leaving when they come, giving your team like an advantage in team fights elsewhere, because people are split to deal with you, and no yeah. one can 1v1 a Teemo in his mushroom house. <laughs> But yeah, people are saying this is like a uh, Teemo's going to be pretty much unplayable after this point. I mean, I don't know. AD Teemo was a thing. Could still be a thing. You don't have, like, Noxious Traps, half of the goodness of Noxious Trap is the slow, in my opinion. That's yeah. what wins you, like, the kills in the jungle when you're having a team fight. I mean, I think the problem was with AP Teemo was that Noxious Traps, again, just the way they are now with no oracles and pink wards being only able to do one at a time. Noxus Traps didn't really have any counterplay, and with a .8 ratio on them, you buy Leandries, so you have the, uh, I forget, the percentage off um, increase because you have a slow on the Noxus Traps. So it was just doing so much damage, and there was no real counterplay to it. So I get why Riot did this point, and I really just don't really care about Teemo being in the League of Legends at all. So, I'm okay with this buff, or this nerf. I mean, I believe we saw Cloud9 pick him as a mid <laughs> the first game of LCS. Maybe that won't be possible anymore. Maybe High won't be able to play Teemo. We will yeah. see. But um, moving on to our last champion to receive a, a huge nerf out of the uh, the nerf basket, Yasuo. He's really great. He's pretty amazing. He can go off the hook like Kha'Zix Cast and all these other people in Hyper Carry. The changes they've made to him are kind of strange, though, because they said they want to emphasize his defensive weaknesses, so they reduced the duration and value of his passive shield that he gets from running around. And to me, that never even, like, factored into playing against the Yasuo. Like, <laughs> Yasuo wasn't carrying games because I couldn't deal another 400 damage to him because he had the shield. That's that's not what makes Yasuo good. 
Yeah, it was more the, oh, he's in my face, oh, there was two crits for a thousand each, no counterplay. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's like AoE dashing to everyone, then an ultimate that's AoE and he's untouchable and everyone's completely uh, CC'd for that. Yeah. Uh... Nope, it's the shield though. Riot's, yeah. Riot's zooming in on the shield for this one. Um, that's that's why he's awesome. Yeah. And another uh, another terrible change. We changed. <laughs> Do you play Fiddlesticks Nocturne or Shaco at all? Um, Nocturne used to be my favorite in the jungle for a while. Not anymore. Um, he isn't. Because <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Riot has changed the fear mechanic so that it consistently makes people run away from the person who is doing the impaired movement effect. So when you terrify someone with fiddlesticks, used to be an amazing CC, it's going to make them run away from you. They compensated by adding another 100 cast range to his drain, but fear just sucks now. It is like the <laughs> opposite of a good ability. And I've yeah. even seen some videos of fiddlesticks ter- like fearing people out of his teammates' ults and stuff, because it yeah, takes I like saw- CC precedence. Yeah, I saw one where Galio ulted on a Teemo, and the Fiddlesticks feared him while in the ultimate, and it feared him out of the ultimate. It's ridiculous. And I mean, Fiddlesticks' kit, like, the purpose of that Q is to make it so that he can use his drain. Without the Q, his drain is nothing. It makes people run out of it. It's like, what were they thinking? Nocturne's Unspeakable Horror? You, You set it on people who are running away from you, and then it goes off, and your reward is that they keep running away from you. See, I think that I get why they may terrify, like, a kind of runaway because, or fears a runaway mechanic, because it makes more sense than just kind of running around in circles. But I feel like the next step they need to do this is add a slow to it. Definitely. I think there is a little bit of a slow, but definitely not enough to make it worth using. I mean, that's all that Fiddlesticks Q does. It's just a fear. If it's just, like, a, a minor slow, that's not worth it to have a whole ability that's just a minor slow. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like, they said they wanted to remove the random number, like, aspect of these things, but this, in my opinion, is not the way to do it. They've broken three champions. I mean, I guess Jack in the Box, yeah, that's probably the one that could kind of benefit from such a thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they just moved Fear to more of a defensive thing instead of an offensive thing now. Yeah, and Fiddlesticks, Nocturne, and Shaco are not defensive people. They're carries. <laughs> they they go in and kill people. Yeah. Ugh. It's awful. So yeah, Fiddlesticks, if you play Fiddlesticks now, you pretty much have to ult in behind their team, so you have to flash ult every time in order to use your fear correctly. <laughs> and yeah, that's about it. Also... Uh, I can't even imagine how fear works with his ultimate now. They You fear people out of his ultimate. Uh, Pro Fiddlesticks players are just saying that they're not using the fear anymore, and they're just running next to people. <laughs> it's they've completely broken the I, man riot. I'm questioning you right now. I don't often question to you, but uh, last minor uh, change we see is that Zach's passive. He can pick up chunks from further away now. He made the ch- they made the chunk pick up radius double. So that's well, good. Because I hated microing a tanky jungler while I was running around the woods. <laughs> Definitely. Now, I think that this this little change to Tier of the Goddess is kind of a stealth buff to Rise as well, so I think he's going to be buffed from two directions right now, because Tier of the Goddess now grants an additional one maximum mana per eight seconds without you doing anything. Yeah. I mean, I think they just nerfed Tier of the Goddess down so much, and, like, with these couple of patches, you're starting to see, like, minor buffs not trying to, like, nerf that champions that are overpowered, 
And I appreciate that because I really hate the pendulum swinging when you're dealing with games like this or World of Warcraft or any of the other big MMO-type games where someone cries out about an item being overpowered and then it just gets nerfed into not usable anymore. I like where they're trying to go, okay, maybe one maximum mana, then maybe two if it's still not enough. This one kind of helps Tier of a Goddess get more mana more quickly without favoring champions like Rise or any of those things that spam abilities. So you can use Tier of the Goddess now on a good amount of champions and still stack up pretty quickly. You know what you can't use on champions much anymore? Doran Shield. <laughs> oh, the health was reduced from 100 to 80 bonus health, and the health region was reduced from 10 to 6, and the price wasn't changed. So <laughs> they nerfed that thing like 40%. It's like yeah. 40% less of an <laughs> item now, and it still costs all that gold. Yeah, it was such a good it was such a good item with all the other Dorians, um, all the other Doran stuff being uh, what they were. This item being able to health regen for ten, gaining a hundred health, and then being able to block basic checks, which is as a top laner or an AD carry or for support, that's all the damage you're taking early game. So being able to block eight damage of it is pretty significant. And it's definitely a support's fault for making this happen, because every ranked game I played, I was up against a Dorn shield, and I was kind of pissed off about that, because I was like, wow, they just made us all these great support items that we can start with to help us gain gold, and people are buying Doran shield on supports now? Yeah. What's up with this? Thanks, LCS. <laughs> Pro players telling us what's what. Well, I mean, like, you have an item that gives you health for, like, support champions like Thress and Leona, where they go in all the time, and then they can just regen all their health by waiting a couple minutes. And go in again. Ooh. And they, yeah. other people just can't sustain through it. Yeah. I mean, junglers also took a kind of big hit this time with the Spirit Stone items. The passive health restore has been reduced on a lot of these items. Yeah. From 8% to 6% on the Butcher passive health restore, and 4% to 3% on I the mana restore. I paving the way for the new Wiggles item. Yeah, because it's not really, hasn't been viable for a while, so that would yeah. be great. I mean, I think the the original problem when I was reading up on all the jungle item changes back at the beginning of Season 4 was Wiggles was a great item. It just took way too long to get up to having a Wiggles Lantern and having all the buffs in it, because it was basically you were at the end of the laning phase by the time you got up to a Wiggles Lantern as a jungler. So I think that, like, this isn't in the patch notes, it's on the PBR, uh, PBE right now. I think the new changes to Wiggle Lantern plus these nerfs are going to make Wiggle's Lantern a good item again. Yeah, I'd like to see it, honestly. I mean, there should be, like, the big four jungling items instead of this big three. Though they did a good job of filling most of the niches. Yeah, Like, with definitely. the AP jungler, the AD jungler, and the tanky jungler. Oh, no, like, these items are great. Exactly what they were. They were just too powerful for what they wanted to do. And I, speaking of too powerful, I think that they thought Boots of Mobility were too powerful or something, because they nerfed the hell out of that. <laughs> so it went from 45 in combat to 105 out of combat to 25 in combat and 105 out of combat. So now when you're in combat and you have chosen Boots of Mobility, you're not going to be moving very fast at all. They did reduce the total cost by 200 gold, however, so that's that's mad decent. I think I'll probably still buy them with that reduced cost, because as a support, making my gold go further is fine, and I'm not like in team fights so much that it's going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, I think I think they were just trying to make like their have cheaper boots because 
You have your normal boots, like your Berserker Greaves, your Magic Penetration ones, your cooldown ones. Those ones are like the normal carry ones, but if you're doing bad and you still need Tier 2 boots, having a cost-efficient item like Boots of Mobility or the Boots of Lucidity or something like that, something that'll be able to get you up to that movement speed without a lot of gold, I think that's a good change for these items. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Definitely. And I mean, our, our final big item change is Ruby Crystal, which has been reduced from 180 bonus health to 150, and the total cost, they knock 75 gold off, so it's 400 gold now. You can buy a Ruby Crystal and buy potions. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that should be a good uh, buff, especially since once we saw all the ward changes this season, I think I saw our Sightstone maybe in 1% of my games. Really? Yeah. I actually buy I it a lot I love it. Still. Whenever I play support, I still buy Sightstone because I think Vision is such a key item for support to have. But we see it in change for Doran Shields and all the other support items and stuff like that. And Ruby Crystal being such a high cost and Sightstone being such a high cost, it was just not really worth it. So I'm glad to see these kind of nerfs and nerfs for the uh, goals. And keeping the health up is the same as well. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to preserve their sort of meta after trying to shake up their meta. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit confused because like they wanted, they're like, oh, yeah, supports, go off and buy different items and kind of be your own man and spend spend gold on, on strange stuff. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and um, we're going to change Boots of Mobility. You can't use Door and Shield anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> we're going to make Ruby Crystal cheaper so you can build your Sight Stones. Yep. Use the items we made for you, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's like new meta, but we want this meta to be a certain way. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. We also, speaking of the support changes, we got changes to the Spell Thief ed- Edge line, the Relic Shield line, and the uh, the Ancient Coin line, which is just kind of making them all a little bit unique, changing them from the old favor passive, which I feel they were they felt was being sort of taken advantage of by certain people. Like, remember the old... uh double relic shield lanes and stuff where they, <laughs> each person would just help the other person gain back health. Yeah. I love Frost Queen's claim, though. Like, when I play Lulu, Frost Queen's claim is amazing. She already can, like, stop anyone from chasing her, and when you just slow everyone... Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, I love um, all these items. I get what their, their specific niche is supposed to be. Like, the blue one's supposed to be for... Lulu and Sona being able to harass your lane opponent all the time. Relic Shield is supposed to be for the melee ones where it's Tark, Leona, and the Amulet Coin is for everyone else because it's just like a movement speed and gold generating item, which is great. I love them all. I just think they were kind of lackluster because they were afraid that supports were going to get too powerful with ability scaling and gold scaling. So I'm glad to see that these are kind of getting buffed while other... Things like Doran Shields and stuff are getting nerfed. I just wish that they'd get rid of the mana regen on Ancient Coin and just make more health regen. Because <laughs> there's like some supports... You, I mean, like there's some pl- p- champions you can play as supports that don't need that mana regen at all. And I always feel bad buying an Ancient Coin. Because, I mean, at the end, it, it gives you, it gave you like 15 mana regen when you had Talisman of Extension. And I was like, oh, it doesn't I'm even give you health regen that. anymore. It doesn't, I see 10 health regeneration on Talisman of Ascension, Ancient Coin... Oh wow, the the base, yeah, the base one doesn't give you any health regen at all. You have to upgrade a Nomad's Medallion to get health regen. That's awful. Yeah. 
So that should be an interesting change. I they really don't want supports to sustain. Or maybe they want to make supports that have a heal built in better, which I could totally agree with. I mean, how many Sorakas do you see anymore? How many Sonas do you see anymore? No one plays the healing supports anymore because everyone just has so much inherent, like, life regen. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, Jordan Shield made poke champions like Sona and Lulu kind of obsolete. Which is yep, why Lulu kind of... It. Yeah, why Lulu just kind of went back into mid lane, which is uh, another topic entirely. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you had a Dorn Shield and a Targon's Brace or whatever, you were all set. You didn't need to worry about any other regen items or having a heal. Definitely. Okay, on to more housekeeping. We've got new Kale ability icons, and some team builder assets are included. So hopefully we're going to get, like, uh, roll lock and more control over the kind of teams we join and are built into with our roles, which would be great. We have also updated uh, pick-a-card VFX, so if you're a Twisted Fate player, uh, prepare to actually be able to see the ordering of the cards instead of just having, like, a <laughs> color pop my... above your head. Yeah, that was, like, my major problem with TF was I didn't play him enough ever to understand what the order was, so I think this will be a great change so you can easily discern what the order of the cards are going to be and it'll just make it getting into TF much easier and it won't affect affect his skill cap whatsoever yeah I think before it was like red blue yellow and if you like queued up and you saw the red you're like fuck I'm gonna have to wait like a few minutes to get this card out (laughs) wait for this stun card alright moving on to our LCS news we see that um in the NA, T- TSM is 13-3, and three, followed by Cloud9, 12-4. and four. So they're only one win away from being tied for first. And CLG, 10-6. and six. Dignitas is holding the middle 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm glad to see them hold, holding the mid-ground, at least. Separating themselves from Team Coast at 7-9, and nine, and Evil Geniuses and Curse at 5-11. and 11. Ooh. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a solid TSM fan. I mean, it's just great to see a story of a team coming from... So so long ago, TSM's been in it from the beginning, and finally yeah. like getting their stuff together, drafting Bjergsen from Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem always was with that team was that Reggie, who was their old mid laner, he was, don't get me wrong, any of these people are above you and me, like, just so far ahead of us. But for on the LCS level, Reggie wasn't that good of a mid player. He was solid when he was like on a run, but he wasn't consistent at all. And I think Berg, uh, Berg, uh, God, Bergeson, yeah, Bergeson. <laughs> Let's just go with that. That's gonna make it much easier. He's a much better consistent and much better player overall. And I think that goes in line with TSM's like really great lineup. Yeah, and it's good to see newcomer Coast not doing so poorly. I mean, they're seven and nine. They're ahead of Evil Geniuses and Curse. Maybe we'll see those two teams actually kicked out of the LCS next time and make way for some new blood. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, wasn't Team Cur- Team Cur- uh, Team Coast? Sorry, was in the LCS that first split, and they got knocked out in the spring split, and then got back in for this one. Yep. Because I remember Zion Spartan. Zion Spartan is probably one of my favorite um, players who isn't on TSM or Curse or any of that stuff, just because he just dominates in top lane all the time. Yeah, the problem was, like, he had to go to school or something, and he wasn't yeah. allowed to play. <laughs> yeah, it, there's a lot, like, there's always a problem when you're dealing with people that are, you know, 17, 18, 19. 
it's hard to put life on hold for something like this, but some people do it. Some people just go back and forth. And I mean, looking at other newcomers, Rockat in EU is dominating. They're 10 and 6. They're tied with Gambit for first place. And I mean, since our last update, Gambit was behind a little bit, and they've since pulled up. Mm-hmm. I am a huge Gambit fan. You know that. I, I, also a big Rockat fan now, though. After seeing what they can do as a, as the new kids on the block, man, it's amazing. I mean, like, uh, you look at Fanatics now, eight and eight. They choked yeah, so hard. Yeah, going from seven and one, I think, yeah, seven and one was the last time I saw them, and I just can't believe they've lost eight games in a row. Yeah, I think they beat every team in the LCS and gone undefeated. Like they were like <laughs> six and zero or something. And then they, they had just the curse choke, 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 choke. I think people got used to their strategies. For one, Rocket yeah. seems to be able to adapt quite a bit to these kind of things. But yeah, who's your pick for uh, EU? I like the Copenhagen Wolves. I mean, they're eight and eight right now, in fourth behind SK Gaming, and tie with Fnatic at the moment. But Gambit and Copenhagen are my top guys. Um. Always still think that Fnatic should be up there if they can get their stuff together. But just based off of right now, Rockcat's going to be a really strong contender. And SK Gaming actually surprised me a lot because they were struggling at the beginning of the season. But now they seem to be gone, be on a good spree right now. Yeah, I'm also surprised to see Reckles and um, Kevin from Millennium are in like the top performers. Like Reckles is first. And Kevin is third for the top performers. I mean, Genja's up there too, and uh, Vander from Rockcats also up there. But we also see um, Zoro Zeros up there too. So Gambit has two players up there. They're doing consistently well across their team. It's not like a double lift scenario where one player is carrying everyone. Yeah. So moving on, I mean, it's it's one thing to be a professional player and and like go through that whole journey to get there, but I mean, there's oftentimes a lot of tips that you can use to get better really quick that don't necessarily go around, like, improving your technique or improving how well you you uh, you uh farm and stuff, and I'm there's, like, a lot of big picture stuff, and I believe you had a list of stuff to go over today, right, Casey? Yeah, uh, there's a link on Reddit, which is actually a really nice article um, from someone who's up in higher ELOs, and I mean... A lot of this stuff you would think would be common sense, but it's really hard to remember this stuff when you're in the moment kind of battling it out. Uh, so we're going to put this up on Gamers R Us, the website, after this podcast. And But I'm going to go through a couple of the really important ones here. Uh, one of the first ones that I started was really important is the idea of learning to get carried. I the And I'm just going to quote this off the uh, off the post. I used to think that if I lost my lane, my team would lose the game because I clearly was the best player on the team. If I fell behind or lost the first kill, I would try and outplay my lane opponent to come back. Nine times out of ten, I would die again and fall further behind and continue to feed, blaming my jungler for not ganking. Now, as a mid player, as a top player, as an AD carry, I do this all the time. As much as I want to say that I don't do it, I do this all the time. If I go 0-1 in a lane, I'm going to try all my hardest to go back one and one. I'm looking for that kill. I'm looking for that, wait, I'm actually better than you. It was just a bad play on my part kind of thing. Um, and his solution to this is, uh, now I just turn on my lane. If I die 1v1 to an enemy later, I just farm passively. If he freezes the lane and I can't farm, I go farm the jungle. If I, I just stop feeding and hope that my team can carry me out of the laning phase, which is huge because a lot of people 
will go 0-3 in a lane because they just try and come back with uh, fighting that champion 1v1, and they already have a huge advantage over you. And then that steamrolls them into being able to one-shot your team and stuff. So if you're going to lose a lane, lose it passively, I guess, is the thing to say here. Don't ever lose a lane and just keep on tr- hitting your head against the wall trying to get that kill back. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a certain point where the laning phase stops being a battle of wits between you two and starts being a battle for survival. And you really need to realize, like, where that is very early on. It's also important to acknowledge, like, when you might be outmatched. Like, if you're playing in an off-roll, sometimes I don't get support, believe it or not, in ranked, and I have to AD carry or something. So I'll just pick up, like, Varus or Nasus if I'm in the top lane. Someone I know that I can farm with, even if I'm vastly outclassed by someone who might play that role a lot more than me. Yeah. You can definitely, like, take steps to get ready for that if you think it's going to happen. <laughs> this also applies to playing with much better players, like if you're 2 queuing with a diamond or something. Yeah. And the next one I saw that was really stood out to me, again, I, I have a problem with doing this all the time in my games. Uh, this one's called the number one duelist. I used to think when I was ahead... I could one weave on anyone that an enemy was so stupid for walking into lane to fight me. Wow, this Caitlyn was so stupid. I'm 3-0 vein with the Bork. She's trying to one weave one me. We fight. Leona ults me, CC locks me, and I die. My advantage is shrunk a little, and Caitlyn now has the shotgun gold. Um, and his solution to this is give your enemy enemies credit. They're in the same elo as you. They're relatively the same intelligence of you. So if they're going to walk up to you and you're 3-0... There's a reason for that. They're not just going to walk up to you knowing that they're going to die. Sometimes it happens, but for the most part, people aren't that dumb. This reminds me of a rule that I follow, which is when you're playing against someone and they do something uncharacteristically stupid, you need to realize that they're probably not being stupid. I mean, <laughs> there's reasons for these people's stupidity, and you can get it's easy to get tricked, I know. I get tricked, God knows, so many times when I'm in a lane. Yeah. But... If you see a sudden change of behavior like this, where they do something seemingly reckless, there's probably a reason for it. Yeah, and uh, the other thing, the last one that I'm going to touch on before we post this up on GAU, was this one's called the Double Lift King. Um, I used to think, man, I'm owning, we got this game, I just need to finish my one last item. I would ping my team to go back so I could farm an extra 10 CS and keep on farming until I had six items, then fight to take objectives. Somehow the enemy team has caught up and I get focused during the fight and we lose the game. This goes back to objectives are what win the game. Not your KDA, not your creep score, not how much gold you have. It's all about objectives. And I mean, speaking on that, objectives are definitely what win the game. They're also what decide the game. They can make you lose the game. There's just one more I'd like you to read off of there, which is the, the one about doing Baron. Because okay. I feel like a lot of people could benefit from that advice. <laughs> uh, this one's called the Baron Throw. I used to think if we're ahead, we should take the most important objective, which is Baron. We can fight them 5v5 while taking Baron, no problem. We end up getting outsmited, or half of us end are fighting Baron, while half of us are fighting the enemy team, and we just get bursted down after getting Baron, or we lose Baron. Um, I'll agree with this entirely. There's no reason, if you're winning, there's no reason to ever go for Baron. Ever. I have lost so many games because I went for Baron. It hurts. LCS, um, people go for Baron because they know that they can smite and do all that stuff. Going for Baron is not 
something you should go for. It's not mandatory, when, you know? People yeah. treat it like you've got to get it when you're ahead, but no, yeah. you can leave if, it. It's good when you've killed three out of the four, or three out of the five people and stuff like that, but otherwise you should go take actual objectives that won't respawn. So like turrets, nexus turrets, inhibitors, stuff like that should be your main priority when you're ahead in the game and you just want to fight. Oh, and that reminds me of one last one. The one about defending the inhibitors. It's all about uh, not going out like as the one man to defend an inhibitor when they're pushing as a team when you've got that advantage. You got, you got that one there, Casey? Yeah. Um, this one, I see this happen so many, so many times. This is I fall back into it every now and again, but this is the one thing that pisses me off so much when I'm playing with teammates. When your turret, I'll... This one, I can just go with turrets or nexuses or any of this nonsense. Where if there's an objective and you're, you want to protect it at all costs, don't do it if it's a 1v3 situation, 1v4, 2v4, something where you're outplayed and you know that turret's gonna go down. It's not worth you dying and the turret going down or the inhibitor going down. You need to just realize that it's gone and back off. There's no reason to try and save a turret that's at 100 health. And lose your life in the process. Because that stuff escalates. And when you go yeah. out as, like, one or two guys to defend a, an inhibitor turret, and you die to, like, their five-man team, they just won the game because of you. What yeah. would have been just a turret if you'd sat tight? And you see the pros sitting tight all the time and letting people take, take like, turrets and inhibitors. They know where their strength lies and, like, what they'll be able to do. They're good at gauging that. That's why they're pros. You, yeah. however, not so much. You probably can't take on three guys, just one guy. And when you die like that, they just get to keep moving because they've just opened up a, a lane with supers and they're going right to the nexus. I mean, that's like I've seen so many games where a team's been ahead and someone's misplayed like that, going back alone to stop a push and yeah. just gotten killed. And then everyone else is trying to get back. They don't have enough time. They're outnumbered because they lost players to this. Yeah, that, it's like one of the number one reasons I see games thrown at my rank. And it's not something that necessarily like comes with experience. I find it's something you got to realize and fix outside of the game. I believe. Yeah. If because what happens, especially when you're at the inhibitor stage of the game, where it's death timers are like 40 seconds, 30 seconds, even up to a minute, it's a significant thing to kill another. Yeah, it's it, it's a significant thing. If you die at an inhibitor, they can go now either take Baron, they can go take another turret, take another inhibitor, where they could have just taken one and you could have stopped the bleeding there. That's the main point about this whole thing, is you got to stop the bleeding where you can, and don't cut yourself in the foot, or, or shoot yourself in the foot kind of thing. And in this metaphor, you are both the body and the blood. <laughs> <laughs> so don't bleed your team dry by dying. Yeah, sorry yeah, about my strange lot... metaphors, everyone, but they have some rhyme and reason. Most of these boil down to basically don't die unnecessarily. Yeah. One of the biggest things I've seen that um, helped me improve my when I was ranking up to gold this helped me improve my gameplay so much where I didn't care about kills or deaths or any of that stuff. I was, my main goal for the first 20 minutes was not to die. You didn't focus that on was, farming or anything? I find that was, when I'm in a game, I focus on farming and farming alone. I don't care about kills. Yeah. Just farm, all that, all that comes secondary to not dying. Because if you don't die, you're going to still receive experience. You're not going to fall behind your other teams they might get more cs than you they might get more kills than you but you're not going to be behind by a whole lot and especially for champions like what i like to play with late game champions 
I just outscaled champions when I get into mid game, late game. And so when I would play Vayne, I would be like, I'm not going to die. If I'm down 20 CS, I'm still not going to go and try and get that CS and get killed. It's not worth it. The way I look at League is probably not going to be very popular, but I kind of liken it to the Hunger Games. <laughs> when the game starts, you've got to run and grab as much gold and resources as you can, and some people will be fighting and killing each other off, and that's like, whatever, that's... It's the early game, doesn't matter too much. But you gotta grab, like, all your weapons and stuff. You gotta get together your kit of what you need, and then you can start focusing on other people. I'm like Katniss Everdeen sprinting towards the, the bow and arrow, you know? Because I know that I need my Bork, and then I'll be able to do what I have to do later on. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the advice we can uh, impair upon you youngsters today. We'll be back in a few weeks whenever we get the next big news story or new patch. Hope enjoyed what you saw here today. Please subscribe to us on iTunes Store. Give us a like, a rating, some comments on how we can do better. We always love to improve the experience for you guys. Tell us tell us what you want to hear, like what kind of news, what did we not go into that you want to hear about in the League of Legends world. We'll, we're certainly here to serve. So uh, that's it for Lollapalooza. We'll see you boys next time on The Rift. Have a good one, guys.